Well, that's just kind of weird. <laughs> it didn't finish. It feels like we're not done. <laughs> Good morning. So great to see everybody. Merry Christmas as we are approaching uh, Christmas Day this week, and I am really excited about our Christmas Eve's events. We have two Christmas Eve's, not really. There's one, but we're celebrating in two services, and those are uh, have a registration, and already uh, the numbers of people signed up is just really exciting. And unapologetically at Harvest, we design this, these services for those that are coming with you. Uh, we're going to enjoy this as a church family, of course. But this is a family event that we want everybody in the region that we can fit in the room to be a part of this. And uh, so I just want to encourage you again. I know you've heard it about four times, but ask somebody to come. Statistics show that exactly what Ryan said, that people uh, will say yes to church. They'll really say yes to church over the Christmas season. Think about it. When else in the world, every store you go into, Christmas carols, singing about Jesus, singing about his birth and the manger, uh, all over the world it's happening, all over our region. And so we want to connect people uh, to the Savior of the world. This is Advent week number four, the candle of love. We're going to get to that in just a moment. So good to have Pastor Caleb and Julie last week. Did you enjoy that? Amazing. Uh, and uh, the amount of content, we're unpacking all that. I want to unpack it for my own personal life and for our church. There was so much there for us. If you're online today, uh, if you missed that, uh, you can go back and, and hear that from my church, uh, Caleb and Julie Davidson, um, and uh, just was a really, really great time. Well, all of you that have been posting your uh kind of your postcard Christmas pictures of your backyards all covered in snow. Uh, mine's covered, uncovered in snow, and I have been baby in my backyard. I enjoy being out there. I think um, about, I lost count of how many of my cedar trees aren't just bent over. They snapped in half. So I'm not real happy about your picturesque postcards and how beautiful it is. Uh, we knew when we purchased our home, it backed onto uh, a wooded area. Um, and uh, we were told that in the city plans that it had been accepted at some time in the future, there would be a subdivision built uh, in my backyard, and we've been enjoying for about 12 years what seems like country privacy, and so they cleared that two weeks ago, and so now I can see as far as the eye can see, and then all my cedars snapped off. I feel quite naked in my backyard, and I'll have to figure that out, and uh, I'm sure we will this summer figure that all out. I'll read from uh, Luke chapter 2 this morning. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. This is how God loved the world. He gave his, own, his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This morning, what I want to focus on is that the gift of Christmas, the gift of Jesus from God to humanity, is a gift of love, unconditional love. Love stepped out of eternity to enter into time and space. Literally, the king of the universe stooped down, came into our space and time to love us. Today, we're going to light the Advent candle of love. Father, I thank you so much for what you're already doing in this room, what you're doing to those with those that are watching online. Lord, I just pray that as we focus in on a very important truth today, the receiving of your love, not just the fact that you do love and you demonstrated, you showed how, you lavished your love on us, but what have we done with it? Lord, today that we be listening to the Holy Spirit asking the question, have you received the love of God. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? As I was praying that, if you quickly said, oh yeah, I've received God's love. I want you really to think about it today because it's really important uh, that we understand this concept that God is a loving God, that he loves us unconditionally. 
We read in 1 John 4, and I'm going to kind of unpack a bunch of verses here from uh, 1 John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles and you're following or your devices. Um, and of course, we'll be putting the verses online. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And John is writing, and this really is the essence of the gospel message. It became a reality at the manger, and then it, uh, it, it concludes at the cross. As uh, Christmas and the Easter event conclude, the good news that Jesus came, he came as a human being, he took uh, on the form of a human, suffered as a human but without sin, paid the ultimate price with his life that we would have forgiveness of sin, and he says that we testify about that. In other words, it's our job to get the good news out of God's love. He goes on and says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, so gives mental assent to that, yes, not only did God do that, did that, but he did it for me. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so this verse unpacks first the truth of it, and then we talk about it, and then our prayer is, and that will happen over our Christmas Eve services, that people will experience the grace of the new birth. We sang it this morning, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, but you do have to receive it. Say receive it. I want to massage this in. I, I'm really hoping to challenge some of our thinking today. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. I'm reading 1 John 4, now verse 16. I want to st stop mid-verse, so keep the verse up, but I just want to make a comment or two. And so we know, and that word know there doesn't mean we understand it mentally, but we've experienced. And so because of this, as he's walking it through, as we understand God's love being given, God's love being experienced. And once we experience God's love, and by the way, at Harvest, that's why we say our fourfold mandate. People say, what's the vision of Harvest? We say it all the time. Uh, we want you to know God and know him more each and every day. We want you to find freedom from your yesterday. We want you to discover that God has created you with purpose, and we want you to get involved with that purpose and make a difference for eternity in somebody else's life. That is, that's what we do at Harvest. That's what we've been doing. That is what we are doing. Is what we will continue to do until Jesus comes back. So because we want people to know and rely, say rely, on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. When we receive salvation, we know, not, not intellectually, not only intellectually, but we know experientially and we begin to rely on our relationship with the Lord. He doesn't just give love. He's not a God that just gives love. And as humans, even I'm going to use the uh, same as the scriptures do today in, as, in understanding God's love, that God is our Father. He's a parent. And even as, 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 as parents, as, as much as we can love, we don't love perfectly. We weren't loved perfectly because we are fallen uh, humanity. And so often our understanding of love and the idea of unconditional love is, is foreign to us and, and difficult to receive, difficult to understand. But that God loves us unconditionally. God loves us perfectly, not because he gives us love, because he is love. The very essence of his being and his nature. And so what it is saying literally is God gives us himself. And that's why we talk uh, in the idea of that God lives in us is so intimate it is so close that he literally lives in us. God gives us his person, his presence, his love. Literally gives us his love. Whoever lives in love, lives in love. Now, that's an interesting thought. Let's unpack this. Lives in love. So we're not visiting love. We're not dating love. But we're living in love. All right? I want you to think that through. We're not dating, visiting, once in a while, high five God. I love that you love me, but we live in love. What is it talking about? It's talking about a committed relationship, a covenantal committed relationship because of these truths of salvation that is not only made possible, but now that the expectation would be because God loves us, we love him in return. We're going to see that I can only love God because he first loved me. 
But in a committed relationship, his, the commitment started with him, and he committed to us in a way, he said, I love you this much, and stretched his arms out on Calvary and died in our place. And now that we would reciprocate that love, we would live in love, we would love him in return. In Acts, it says, in him I live and move and have my being. That my very, each and every breath of every day is because of love. And then I love in return. That's my response. And so it's setting out this committed relationship. So as I'm in this committed relationship, and of course, he commits perfectly. We commit uh, imperfectly, but in the grace and the strength of God, we commit to him. The verse goes on. And I'm hoping you're following kind of uh, the reasoning as John is writing. This is how love is made complete among us. This is how. Well, how? How is love made complete amongst us? By walking through, it's, it's declared, it's experienced, it's received, it's committed to, and in that commitment of relying on and living in love, this is how love is made complete amongst us. And the idea is, and some of, if you have a different translation open, it'll say that this is how love is perfected. This is how love is perfected amongst us. So that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. As the verse goes on, this is how love is made complete amongst us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. So our living in love, God's ongoing commitment to us, our ongoing commitment to him, completes, completes what love is supposed to do. And let, let's see, let's see what, what this kind of means, because he takes it another step further in verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So let me, let me kind of unpack this. So the idea is that we have confidence today because of God's love and our relationship with God. We have confidence today in God's love and we will have confidence on, in that day at the end of the age when we meet God. It's not going to be a surprise and God's going to go, well, you tried really hard, but you didn't try hard enough. <laughs> you know, and the, and, and the floor opens up and down the hell you go. And yet there are people that don't understand his love, don't understand the relationship, and so they stand afar off from God, and that's why at Harvest we create environments like our worship experiences where the lights are dim so that people can be alone in a moment where we're singing about and declaring, and those that have a love, ongoing, relying love relationship with God, we are declaring it, and we are singing about it and worshiping so that somebody can begin to not see it from a distance, wondering, is this God mad at me? Is this God angry at me? Could I know this God? That they too could experience the love of God. And so in the, in the here and now, this verse is saying that we have confidence. And, and people might say, how can you be so sure? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible has told me so, and Jesus himself told me so as I was in prayer, I was in worship, and I felt like I had the bear hug from the king of the universe. We experience, it's an experiential, say experiential. And we don't, people kind of say, well, you know, you can't, you can't raise experience above the truth of the word. No, but the truth of the word declares that we have experience. And so unapologetically, we want you to experience the Holy Spirit's love, the Father's love, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three-in-one, God himself in perfect love. So we have confidence now. We'll have confidence then. And then it goes on to say, perfect love casts out fear. So how is it that I can approach God? How is it I can have this relationship with God? How is it that I'm confident? Because completed love, it says perfect love, it doesn't mean perfect in the sense of flawless. This is really important this morning. We're understanding God's love. We're lighting the Advent calendar of love. And I'm praying that some of, some of us will have it lit fresh. Some of us need to, to kind of trim the wick and really have a sense of God's love burning in our lives. Perfect love casts out that fear both now and for the future. Why? Because completed love does that. The word is completed. That the love of God 
coming to us, our receiving and then reciprocating that love. We have love because he first loved us. It starts with God. And then reciprocate it. It accomplishes something in your life that will accomplish something in my life. If you're watching online today, God wants to accomplish something in your life. It's not accomplished by our religious doing. It's accomplished very simply the very way it started by receiving a love that is so awesome, so generous, so wonderful that it does something on the inside of us. And then when we get a hold of that and we love back, it completes the cycle and work something amazing in our life. Perfect love completes its task. For there's no fear in love, but love that has completed its task drives out fear. God's love is accomplishing something in your life and in mine. But if we are afraid for whatever reason to intimately connect with God, then we don't step into this process. You go, what do you mean afraid to intimately step in with God? Many of us kind of hold back on hearing. Our our January emphasis is let them hear. And the promise that the sheep hear his voice. That God wants to speak intimately to all of us. We're going to have some prophetic ministry uh, as we trust the gifts of the Holy Spirit and those that are proven in this ministry uh, to speak over our lives. It's going to be amazing. Let them hear. But it begins with knowing so many are afraid to intimately press into God because we might hear something we don't want to hear. Hmm. I remember when I was a kid, when missionaries would come to our church and we would have certain times of the year where we would celebrate missions and those who had gone on the mission field. At the end of those services, uh, it was I, I learned as I was growing up, it would be typical for the missionary to pray, but they would pray that others would hear the call of God to go to the mission field. I would literally plug my ears as a little boy and go la 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 because I knew it was coming. Just like some of us do when we talk about giving. La 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 la. If I don't hear it, Holy Spirit can't speak to me. Because I knew I wanted to be obedient to the Lord, but he I thought probably nobody else is gonna go to some rotten place. And so I don't want to go to the rotten place. I don't want to hear about it. But if I heard it, then I'd have to go to the rotten place. Because I didn't understand a God who loved me so much that he would place my life in a place that would fulfill me the most. But I didn't know that then. And so many of us don't press into this cycle and understand that, that, love, that God's love is on assignment. It's accomplishing something in our lives. First John 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. John is saying earlier on in this chapter, as we we backed up a chapter, what he's saying is, look, look, you got to consider this. You got to think about this. You really need to understand this. And Ephesians, Paul said it this way, that you may have the power to understand. And that's my prayer today. You would have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is that we literally need supernatural power to understand his love and that we need to understand his love. Now, here's the point I'm leading up to. I'm going to make this point. You need to think about this, and then I'm going to unpack this a little bit more. How important it is that we understand God's love. It's not enough to understand, oh, yeah, God's loving. God's awesome. He's compassionate. God so loved the world. And even if you've received salvation, the beginning of the possibility of this relationship, it needs to go on and get deeper each and every day. Why? Why do we need to consider? Why do we need supernatural power to understand? Because we just read, as we walk down through 1 John, that God's love by itself is not enough to save you. Long theatrical pause for effect. God's love by itself is not enough to save you. It won't save you all by itself because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whole world is not going to get saved. Those of us that have begun, God so loved the world that it begins to work in me and it says that it would finish at the end of the age. 
and this reciprocation of God loves me and I love him back and God loves me and I love him back and God loves me and I love him back that in the recipro- the receiving and the reciprocation of this that there is a completion say completion there's a completion. There's something that God is working. And we talk about it as fine freedom, that we're growing in our destinies, growing in the calling of God, growing in the very design that God has for us, that every demon in hell and the world's philosophies are trying to take us off course of. But unless we are receiving that, it's not doing that work. Otherwise, everybody would be saved. Otherwise, so many of us in this room would be walking in more freedom today than we were yesterday, but unfortunately, some of us are not because we're not receiving and then reciprocating his love. We love God because he first loved us. I've realized this and, and kind of gained some understanding over this with this more as I've worked with couples over the years in a pastoral capacity. And couples have come in and just said, hey, we really need some help with our marriage. And what I've seen is that so many couples misunderstand one another. They truly love one another. And when you talk to them individually, you know, do, do you love your spouse? Oh, I, I, I still love my spouse. And that when you sit down, that really where it tangles up and, and, gets, and gets troublesome is that the other spouse doesn't see doesn't understand how their spouse is loving them or there's an issue where there's an incapacity to receive love and the love of the spouse has not entered in and done its work and then been reciprocated and two people are loving but it's not getting exchanged. And I want you to think about it because that happens and maybe you've experienced that. That you've loved somebody but your love did not, did not, have effect in their life. It's as if they never opened the gift of your love and loved in return. Behold, what manner of love God has bestowed. In other words, if we can't see how God is loving us, then we can't receive and reciprocate. And so John is saying, this is uber important. You really need to understand this this morning as we light the candle of love. So let's just talk for a moment about some reasons why we don't take in, experience, behold the love of God. Why every demon of hell would attack and try to keep us from the love of God. Because the scriptures say that neither height nor depth nor principality nor powers nor things present nor things can come can keep us from the love of God. But they're trying. But they're trying Otherwise, the scripture wouldn't be written that nothing can keep you. But they're trying, say trying, to separate us from the love of God. Let me give you some reasons. Number one, we just feel unworthy of his love. We just feel unworthy of love, period. And the thoughts in our head would be, I'm not lovely. I'm unlovable. And somehow in life, when there were those that, that when you were, where you were dependent to rely on someone else's love. As the scriptures talk about, we are to live and rely on the love that Father has bestowed. That maybe in your life, that, 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 that the needs of a parent or the needs of a caregiver or the needs of somebody else were put ahead of yours. And that you never were the recipient of, of love that was unconditional. It wasn't love for the sake of love. But, and, and somehow, somehow your circuitry as you were raised and your experience of life almost seemed to prove it out that you can't be loved, that nobody would want to love you, that you are unlovable, that, that in fact, if you really were honest today, that you might deal with Save uh, self-hatred. You just don't even love yourself. Today, those thoughts can keep us from truly receiving God's love. I'm not worthy. Number two, I feel guilty. I can't receive someone else's love. I especially can't receive God's love because... I've done things wrong. And because we've been taught that love is negotiated and it's on in a buy and sell and exchange, um, and, and if you had a parent, for example, that withdrew love when they got angry when you did something wrong, you didn't dare go and ha- you know, ask to play a board game 
when you just ticked off your mom or ticked off your dad. You went to your room and you were quiet, and you knew they would get over it eventually, some people longer than others, and then life could kind of resume, and the joy of life and the happiness of life, but while there was anger against what you did, lack of and love withdrawn, because um, as because as parents, they didn't understand that you can do both love and discipline at the same time. But many parents don't take it very, take their children's uh, infractions very personally. I feel guilty. And how's that carry over to God? Carries over this way. If you're like me and uh, for time of my life, this was an area I had to really focus on because I would be all excited about going to church on Sunday and, and uh, being in the presence of God corporately with people. And, and you get ready to start worshiping. You press into that, that moment as, as you know, things are crescendoing and you just sense the presence of God. And then this thought would drop in my head and go, God's kind of ticked off at you because this week you did. And then I would slowly back out of the presence of God, not physically, but in my heart because of guilt. So I'm not receiving now because I think I need to owe something to God. Number three, religious legalism. That maybe you have come to know Jesus, but your understanding is that in order to keep Jesus in your heart, he's in there, but in order to keep him there, you have to continue doing a whole lot of religious activity to keep him there. He was in there when you got saved, but you've got to Keep him there. And as you do these religious acts that are keeping Jesus in your heart, that uh, you want him to love you more because you've heard that you can get closer to God by doing more religious work. And so not only are you keeping him there, but you're working to get closer to him to get him to love you some more, more than he did yesterday. If I could just do this, I know God would love me more. Religious legalism. How are we doing? Realize that these are very real stoppers to the love of God. Number four, and the one that I I, want to kind of unpack a little bit today, just in the few more moments that we have, I just want to unpack this. Number four, and then we're going to pray at the end and kind of deal with all four of these and move them out of the way this morning, that we misunderstand his love. We misunderstand. First John chapter three, see what great love the father has lavished on us. So it's the same idea. You need to look at it, consider it, experience, reciprocate, get into this, be a part of this, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Say children of God. Hebrews chapter six. The Hebrew writer had to speak to the, to the, the, the churches that were involved with this letter because they were going through adversity and difficulty. And they misunderstood the season they were in. Because as they were going through difficulty, because of their experience with life, they assumed that God was angry at them and that he was withdrawing his love. God was punishing them in some way, judging them in some way. God's judgment was on them. And so the Hebrew writer had to correct it because this fourth and, and I think we do fairly good with one, two, and three, although we're going to pray about one, two, and three. And we talk a lot at Harvest about one, two, and three. We sang about it reckless love this morning. We do really good, I think, with one, two, and three. And this morning, I just felt afresh. And I was sharing with the staff that I want to talk about this word of encouragement uh, this week. And, and I'll read it to you. Uh, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement? Say encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he... Huh. We're misunderstanding love. And he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. I was sharing with the staff, I want to talk about the discipline of the Lord today. And Natalie was at the table. She goes, oh, Merry Christmas, jolly, jolly, ho, ho, ho. 
<laughs> and I laughed my head off. I thought, yeah, no, actually these two topics really do go together as we light the candle. One, two, and three are blockages. Number four is a big blockage that if we can get out of the way, that love can complete its cycle and we can begin to develop. We can begin walking in the destinies that he has for us because we have beheld, received, and walked and relied on this, on God's love. It's a word of encouragement, it says. I want you to understand this word discipline because it actually means training and instruction. Say training. Say instruction. It's a parental training and instruction that God wants us to grow in our relationship with him, with each other, and our relationship with the world so that we can continue what John said, that as we have experience, we testify, and then it continues and so on and so on. And it's in the maturity of love that as we can love more and more and we can experience his love, that it's doing a work in us. And therefore, it gives more credence and it gives more power to our expression of love uh, as we talk about the love of God to others. Training and instruction. It does include primarily training and instruction, not punishment, not judgment. Somebody says, I'm sick. God's trying to get my attention. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's not a parent in this room that would put sickness on a child so they would learn something. So training instruction. And I'm going to unpack this just in a, just in a couple minutes here. We're going to do this. But I do want to, does God correct us? Yes. He does it by allowing us to feel the weight of the consequences of bad decisions. Which is parents, isn't that a hard thing for us sometimes? When we said, you, can, you will not have, if you do this and this, you will not have your cell phone for a whole day. Yes, mommy, I understand. And then they did it. We said, you shouldn't have done that. The consequence is, now some parents, some parents, this doesn't affect them at all, like me. Uh, uh, but other parents, like my wife, it does affect. And after an hour and they did, so, I think I'm going to give back the cell phone. I go, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> because they won't feel the full weight of the consequence. And they'll repeat the bad decision over and over again. And they won't grow. They won't become all that they are to be. And so there's training, instruction, and it includes consequences for our bad choices. The verse goes on. Endure hardship as discipline. This word here, discipline, endure hardship as discipline. This is talking about difficulty, adversity, when life just sucks, both undeserved. We didn't do anything. We just live in a world that has a lot of difficulty. Like the, the writer of Hebrews was trying to help uh, the, the people that were listening and help us today understand the love of God. Because they were going, God, if you really loved me, I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through. God, if you really loved me, you would have come through sooner like you did with so-and-so. God, if you really loved me, because we don't understand his love and we don't understand adversity. And, and it says, endure hardship as discipline. And it would include, I made the stupidest decision of my life. And the pain I'm feeling presently is because of the stupidest decision of my life. And so that's to be endured as well. Endured means not just put up with it, but it means that there's a process we go through that this uncomfortable hardship, adversity, that we're going to try to understand a little bit more today. Endure that as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. I want you to think about those of you that uh, go to a gym and Pastor Caleb talked about the gym last week and the process of the gym. No one likes the pain of the gym. Everybody likes the, the results. And I want you to think about whatever you might be going through today that maybe you thought that God has withdrawn his love or you even question. And listen, the enemy, the enemy will, will, will cause any of us to question. I have a dear, dear, dear friend that uh, gave his whole life to pastoral ministry. And his wife was diagnosed with cancer. And I'll never forget, as he was on the phone with me, he was weeping and he said, I don't know what I've done. 
that my wife would have cancer. I've repented of every sin I can think of. I've gone to God. Did I do, what have I done that sin, you know, that, what sin have I committed that my wife has cancer? As he was crying. In that moment, even all of the, the theology and foundation he had, which would have taught him the ridiculousness of that. And yet, at that moment in his humanity, as the enemy was kicking him while he was down, somehow making him think that the difficulty of cancer was deserved and was judgment from God that he needed to repent from. And I began to minister to him with tears and crying and loving on him and saying, come on, we, number one, we got to deal with that because that's going to stand in the way of you being able to get through this, and you will get through this. Because love casts out fear. And that relationship, no matter what we're going through, a God that's standing with us going, I love you, I am for you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Or just life, and God's trying to increase your capacity. And we're a toddler at heart. And God wants us to be, he, he just sees the multitudes of people that he wants us to reach and, and to make a difference. And so we're finding freedom in some areas. And, and for some, maybe it's just working with others and offense just comes so quickly and it just gets into our hearts so quickly. And the weight of something that you're pushing up right now and going, God, could you actually be with me right now? And God's going, come on, you can do it. Five more, four more, three more, two more. Come on, you can do this. And a loving God is cheering you on today going, I'm increasing your capacity. These are small potatoes compared to where I want to take you and the people that I want you to minister to. I'm just thankful that I was available in that moment for my friend to be able to speak to him. That It didn't take him long to realign. But what, what if he had been alone in that moment and not with someone else and thinking for sure he had done something that what he was facing was so rotten that God was punishing him? No. Endure these things as discipline, training process, a training process. God disciplines us for our good. And that's not like when our parents, I'm doing this for your good. Hey, come on. I disciplined my kids and sometimes I was doing it for my good. Yeah? I loved him perfectly. But it is the example they got and it's an example of imperfect love. God loves perfectly when he says it's for our good. It's for our good. It's for us to be better. It's for us to be bigger. It's for us to have more capacity. And remember, the training process is he's using the, the weight of life and the difficulty of life. And we're learning to live in that difficulty of life. This is He put his wrath, his punishment for sin on Jesus on the cross. It is not a punishment for sin. It may be a consequence but even then, I've known his mercy. I've known his grace. When the consequence should have gone a lot longer and Holy Spirit's come in the room going, I see your heart. And I see, and he's made something that, that should have run its course. And he said, my grace and mercy is sufficient for you. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. That's, that strictly means, that's not, that does not mean holiness, that does not mean the absence of sin. Holiness describes a God who's completely consistent with who he is as God. Holiness for you and I is that we would be so in tune with God's design for our life, how God made us to be, that we would live a life so in tune with that, so separated from anything that's not in line with his, his call on our life, that we would share in that consistency of who we are. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And that's not Merry Christmas, ho, 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 jolly, jolly. Because <laughs> that's just the truth of it. In the moment that we're in something, it hurts. It is painful. Later on. Say later on. Some of you this morning, later on is right now, and I'm going to tell you why. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Righteousness just means that that things are going right. We are righteous in Christ. He took the punishment. This isn't, you can't be more righteous than you are today in God. But there is, things are in, coming into alignment in your life. They're becoming right and peace for those who have been trained. This is important. 
If you misunderstand God's love in the moments of adversity and difficulty, then you will kick against it, buck against it. If you're young in the Lord, you will throw yourself down on the ground and throw a temper tantrum trying to get his decision. Or you might just say, God, you're, you're, this, this isn't obviously working. And God's saying, I'm the Father and you're the Son. I love you. But when you accept love and accept all the forms of his love, it says that peace, things lining and going right for those who have been trained by his love. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to walk through these four things because I think they're represented in the room. And I'm just asking Holy Spirit today as we literally light the Advent calendar of love, that yes, yes, the reckless love of God pursuing us, but will you pursue it back? Will you take and receive his love today? Because without the reception of it, nothing changes. First of all, if you're here today and you feel unworthy to be loved, you related to what I talked about. This morning, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. In fact, if everybody in this room could pray after me this very simple prayer, Jesus, today I accept and I receive your love. Amen. That simple prayer to begin to unlock something because none of us are worthy to receive God's love in and of ourselves. It's because he loved us by giving Jesus. I want you to think about this this morning, that God loves you as he loves Jesus. The same way God loves the son, he loves you, his son and daughter today. And though that might be mind-blowing for you and you can't, because of this blockage, seem to understand this in the name of Jesus, I'm asking for the supernatural power that, that Paul talked about in Ephesians and we read today by the power of his word and the declaring of it today. You'll begin to understand right in your seat right now. He loves you the way he loves his own son. That's why he placed his son on the cross. Put your sin all of your unworthiness unto him so you could be worthy. And as you are loved by him, you are going to begin to see that if God loves you, you deserve to be loved by others. And you will begin to see your heart soften to being loved and receiving love. Number two, you feel guilty. God gave us a way to do this. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. This morning, right where you're sitting, if you're somebody that the enemy's always reminding what you've done, I want you, if you've been water baptized, you can point to that. If you remember the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, you just point to that, you say, based on that decision, I owe nothing. I owe nothing. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing more that I can give. Today, Jesus, I receive your love knowing, knowing you will never love me more than you love me right now. Number three, religious legalism. Jesus said, all of you who are heavy laden, you're busy doing stuff, trying to get his attention. You don't need to pull on his pant leg any longer to get his attention. You have it all. If you do not one more thing, he will still love you. For him, for him and religious duty, he, he will not love you anymore, and he cannot love you less. My prayer for you today is you will grow in the understanding of that love. And number four, if you're going through something today or you can look at the cycles of your life where you've lacked training opportunities and maybe you even left church or left, left your relationship with the Lord because you misunderstood. Today you realize that there is a loving Father who loves you so very much that he is training and equipping you. 
that your training is good and it's kind and it's loving and it's absolutely necessary because without it, you are an illegitimate child, the Bible says. And today you're going to grow in his love because you're going to begin to realize and understand he's never left you, but he's going to go through this with you. And you're going to overcome it. And when you overcome it, you're going to put the, when the weights go back down, you're going to look at how many plates you just pushed up. And you go, that's impossible. I never would have been able to do that. And the Lord's saying, I have been training you for great things, things to overcome. Lord, I thank you today. And pray this simple prayer with me. You are my father. I love you. I want to be trained and equipped. Your training is good and kind, loving and necessary. I receive your love today. I'll go through this with you. I endure it, not for the sake of pain. Listen to me now. But because I want to end the pain cycle in my life. I want to end the pain cycle, momentary pain for long-term gain of growth and training. But those of you that have been resisting this, you are in the ever-ending cycle of chaos and anything that looks like peace. But today there's a switch because you're realizing, wait a minute. You see, it's like a doctor and you've had a, a pain in your abdomen for a very long time. And then you go to the doctor and there'll be a little bit of pain as he pushes and prods and then he'll do surgery and remove it. And then there'll be recovery pain, but you'll never have pain in that area again. Why? Because you allowed the doctor to deal with what was pain with a different kind of pain. God is not the God that is creating the pain of the problem. He's the God of the pain in the moment to bring the eternal solution. And I minister that into your souls and spirit online right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never begun this uh, uh, relationship with Jesus, you've never received his forgiveness into your life, you've never invited him into your life, I, I want to give you that opportunity today. If you're here today and you say, I want to I begin this relationship with Jesus today, I want to receive his love. If, if you've never done this and today's your day of salvation, just simply raise your hand. I'll just see it, acknowledge it, and you can put it back down. Is there anyone in the room that would put their hand up today and say, include me in that prayer, Pastor? I don't think I see a hand online. You can do this by um, typing in, um, I'm making that decision today. Somebody waved at me, which means somebody did raise their hand. And let's just, let's just, let's just put our hands together and say, we're just, we're just so thankful that you've made that, courageous, made that courageous step. Let's pray this prayer together today. And if you raised your hand or online, I invite you just to do this with everything in you today and receive what Jesus has for you. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I receive that love today to forgive my sin, to begin a love relationship with you. And I know I will never be the same. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you're born again online. We believe you're born again. New life. You can begin this journey of receiving and reciprocating this love. Let's stand today. We'll be dismissed in just a moment, but let's sing this to the Lord just before we go.
thank you for being here today. We hope to see you at one of our Let Your Heart Be Light Christmas services this week. Online next Sunday and the Sunday after that at 6 p.m. We love you. Have a great week.